As we prepare to hear God's word this morning, let's again go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father, we are blessed to be together and to be in your presence this morning. Father, we pray that again you open up your word, your word which you have given us to to reveal yourself, your ways, your plan, your grace and compassion to us. And Father, we pray also that you open up our hearts. Help us to receive what you would have to say to us. Lord, we pray that you help us to grow closer to you, to turn away from other things, and to focus more and more on you. We pray all this in your name. Amen. So we are in Luke 22. We'll read verses 39 to 53 this morning. This is part of our the center of the story series leading up to and then a little bit past Easter as we reflect on how Jesus' suffering, death, resurrection are the center of the story of the universe and how they can and should be the center of the story of our lives. Now, before we jump in, I, I want to mention I have a little, bit of a little bit of a different relationship with this sermon than I have with some others. Usually, I'm trying to think about these things a couple weeks ahead of time, and, and this is a text where Jesus prays with real intensity, and, and it shows us something of how much Jesus suffered for us. I, uh, I had that in mind as we've lost a number of church members to death the last while, as we gathered with families at deathbeds, as we gathered at funerals, to think of how, how amazing it is that the Lord Jesus Christ suffered for us. And then, as I, I mentioned a little bit earlier, at our regional church meeting this week, we examined Hieronimo and Diego to serve as commissioned pastors, as lay preachers at Ebenezer CRC, and they both have stories of, of how they were far from God and how God came and found them and graciously brought them back through the work of Jesus. Jesus' suffering brings us to God. And as I circled back through this text again and again, there was so much here, and I felt like I had to, had to leave so much to the side, and then we were going to do this, and then we were going to do that. And, and I'm not quite sure I'm happy with where it landed, but I'm confident that we'll at least get something of what this text has to say to us. But, but the Scripture is always so deep and has so much to it. So I hope wherever we come today, whether we come with grief or with rejoicing, that we are able to see and rejoice in Jesus. Let's read about Jesus from Luke chapter 22, from verse 39 to 53. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas? Are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, No more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. 
Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. This is the word of the Lord. So in the sermon this morning, we're going to spend some time circling deeper and deeper into the prayer or the lack of prayer that we see in this text, and then we'll wrap up by reflecting on how we see the prayer or lack of prayer bearing fruit, working out in the disciples' lives and in Jesus' action. And we're going we're gonna to start with something that uh, fits today as daylight savings time, but our first point is that spiritual sleep doesn't bring power. In this text, the disciples sleep. They totally fail to get the the significance, the meaning of the moment they are in. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus prays and comes back and wakes up the disciples several times. And and Luke doesn't give us all that detail, but he does give us the sense that Jesus is very clearly telling the disciples, you need to pray. This is a time to build up your strength because temptation is coming And then Jesus goes off just a little way to pray, and the disciples crash. I mean, they crash and burn. They sleep, and they sleep, and they sleep. And you know, usually sleep is renewing. Usually sleep brings power in some sense. But here, the disciples, as they spiritually and physically sleep, it it drains them of spiritual power. Now, I only realized this morning that this might be a a time when all of us, or at least some of us, really felt that lack of sleep with the hour we lost last night. But as I was working on this this week, I thought of of when I worked some really early shifts in the hospital kitchen as a teenager into college, and I had a number of friends who worked with me, and none of us were morning people. So we'd have to be there at, and I recognize for some of you this doesn't sound late, but we had to be there at the awful hour, like 5.30 or 6 in the morning. Some of you are like, I'm halfway through my workday at that point. Others of you are like, morning has a six o'clock? Morning has a six o'clock, and it has a five o'clock, and sometimes it even has a four o'clock. And we were, you know, we were teenagers, so we'd be up late, and then we'd show up, and we would just not be able to move. So we would be carrying the trays, and you would sometimes see guys lean against the wall for a minute. And the girls did better, but the guys would just, oh! Or they'd put some toast in the toaster and while they were waiting for it to pop up so they could bring it up to the room, they'd sort of just lean over and you'd see them start to sway a little bit. And then whoop! We never saw anybody fall over, but there were a couple times guys got pretty close to that wham when you go to sleep and then wake up with a start. We weren't ready. And the sleep that we had didn't really refresh us. It just left us even more behind. And as the day went by, especially if someone was really tired, you could just tell that they were falling apart. The the food wasn't getting there on time. They were forgetting items. It was miserable. Here we see the disciples chugging along with Jesus. They're trying to keep up, but they just, they just, they just keep falling asleep. Now, the disciples, the text tells us, were sleeping from sorrow. They were overwhelmed and concerned, and, and I think sometimes that's our problem, that we just get so burdened that we fall asleep spiritually. I think we may more often in this time and place have the problem that we are so comfortable. Life is good, and it's, it's more like we're sitting by the armchair after a big, sitting in the armchair by the fire after a big dinner, and we We know we should get up and do some stuff, but it's just easier to 
to lean back and go to sleep spiritually. We so often drift into sleep. We are, well, we are sometimes a really troubled people, and we are sometimes a really comfortable people. And regardless of the cause, when we fall asleep spiritually, when we just drift along, we, we lose out. And there is a way where we should hear that as a challenge, where perhaps you should say, you know, I have been just kind of drifting along. I am, I am not really paying attention to God, and I need a wake-up call. Well, maybe you do need a wake-up call. Or maybe, maybe you don't so much need a challenge as, as an encouragement, as you, need, as you need us as a church to come alongside and say, you know, you're doing okay, but you could have so much more life. You could have so much more vibrancy. You could have so much more meaning in your life if you were just a bit more spiritually awake. All of us, I think, one way or another, need this reminder that, that drifting along, that being asleep spiritually is not where we want to be. So this text shows us that in the disciples falling asleep, but then it also shows us that, that prayer brings power. Prayer brings power. And I have some exclamation marks and a question mark there. We'll come back to that in a little bit. But we should see that in this text, even for Jesus, even for Jesus himself, fully God and fully man, even for him, through prayer, the Lord provides him with extra power. Jesus comes to this horribly hard moment in his life when he is looking to to suffering and to execution, and he prays, and he, he struggles, and he's open and honest with the Father, and he says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not your will but mine be done. And then a messenger from the Lord, an angel, an angel literally means messenger, a messenger from the Lord shows up to strengthen Jesus. And notice here that the angel doesn't show up and say, oh, change of plans, we're not going to do the hard thing. No, the angel shows up and gives Jesus strength to follow through on the Lord's will. Jesus is not excused from temptation, he is not delivered from his troubles, but he is given strength to face them. In desperate times, In desperate times, prayer does bring real spiritual power. Jesus gives us a model for prayer here that when things get really, really dark, when the darkest hour comes, when the darkest hour comes, the answer is to look to the Lord, to open up ourselves to Him and to say with honesty, God, I don't see how I'm going to get through this. I don't want this. I don't like this. I don't see how you're working. Help me. And the Lord is always there. And sometimes he delivers us from the trouble. Sometimes he delivers us through the trouble. And sometimes what he does is give us strength, give us strength so that even in our trouble, we can minister to others. Prayer does have the power to strengthen us. So there was one particular morning at the hospital that we were all dragging and we just... We were just behind, and all three of us who were supposed to be bringing trays up to the rooms were just so slow, so, so one of us eventually wandered over to the blender, and he started scooping out chocolate ice cream, and we assumed someone just wanted a shake or something weird for breakfast, and, and then he went and got some coffee, and he poured some coffee in there, and then he stood there for a minute with that dumb half-asleep look people have, and then he rubbed his chin, and then he went and got some coffee grounds and threw the coffee grounds in the blender, and then he blended it all up, and he poured it out, and he brought it over, and he said, guys... We're too slow. Everybody drinks one. No exceptions. Drink it down. So we drank it down, and man, wow. So the sugar hit first, and we're like, oh, hey. 
And then the caffeine hit and carried us through. And then when that started to wear off, the coffee grounds were still sticking in our teeth. So you kind of chewed them up. And, and man, we had energy for the day. It was, whoo, it was a kick in the mouth. And you know, sometimes prayer does that for us. It's the caffeine, it's the sugar, it's the buzz that we need, or sometimes even it's a little bit of the bitter pill we have to swallow to, to really get us going spiritually. Prayer does that. Prayer brings power. But as I reflected on this point, as I reflected on this text, I think we need to have a question mark there along with the exclamation marks. Prayer, prayer does bring power. It can be spiritual caffeine. It can help us go from, oh, just kind of asleep to really being active. But I think we really miss out on something with prayer if we just think of it as a, as a spiritual recharge. And sometimes I think we do, we do act and we do think about prayer as if, you know, I need to go plug in. I need to take my shot of caffeine and, and then the Lord will empower me to do what I want to do. When the need arises, when I get sleepy, when I, when I kind of fade, well, then I'll, I'll take a shot of prayer and then I can get on with my day. And I think that's something that's true, that prayer does give us spiritual power but I think we reduce prayer to less than what it can truly be if all we say is prayer is what we need to caffeinate our souls. Prayer goes much deeper than that. So let's, let's circle deeper than that. Let's not be spiritually asleep. Let's see the power that prayer brings. But then let's also recognize that Jesus prays for us. And Jesus, Jesus in this text, he prays. He prays intensely. In verse 41, when it says Jesus prays, it, it uses the imperfect verb tense, which implies something that goes on and on and on. This is, this is not a quick prayer. What verse 42 gives us is probably just the tiniest summary of what was probably a long time of Jesus being present to the Father and, and desperately praying and pouring out his heart and, and just being all in on this. And that word of, of anguish or agony in verse 44, as Jesus prays, is, is a word for bitter, fierce conflict. You know, some authors point out we almost see more struggle here in Gethsemane for Jesus than we see in Golgotha when he's on the cross. The language here, the words, the, the pictures of Jesus struggling here almost more than he does as he dies. And I think Jesus is praying for himself here. He is, he is looking towards something that is awful. But I think more than that's going on. So I've sometimes wondered, and perhaps you have, why, why Jesus, who is fully God along with fully human, why he's, and this is a little tongue-in-cheek, but why he's so concerned here. He's God. He knows what's coming. He knows he has the power to rise again. Why is this so hard? And I think one reason is that he's fully human and, and he doesn't want to hurt, he doesn't want the pain, he doesn't want to die. And we should not ever neglect the fact that Jesus, truly human, truly did suffer, truly did go through more than we could ever comprehend. But then on a deeper level, we should understand that Jesus went through more than we can ever comprehend because here he is not just praying for himself and not just praying that he can bear his own suffering. Here Jesus is drawing all of our suffering into himself. And more and more here, and as we see going forward, we see Jesus looking at each one of us and thinking, and I think in his infinite capacity, thinking of each and every one of us who he would deliver and thinking of 
your sin and your sin and your sin and your sin and my sin. And He is shouldering that burden of all of our sin and all of our trouble. He is taking on the hellish agony, the punishment, the wrath of God, the brokenness that all of us live out and have earned. And He, though He deserved none of that, He is taking it on Himself here. And so as we see him sweating what seems like drops of blood and praying desperately, Father, is there another way? And if not, let's go with this. He is praying not just for himself, but he is praying for you and me. He is interceding for us. And I think that is part of why this is a text that shows us Jesus so burdened, so in anguish, so in agony, because he is taking on all the agony of all of us here and and all of his people from the beginning to the end of time. Jesus right there is suffering and praying for all of us. And one of the wonders of the Christian faith is that Jesus is still doing this. You know, sometimes when we picture Jesus up in heaven, we picture the ascended Jesus sort of twiddling his thumbs and saying, well, well, Father, when is it time for me to go back? Got nothing to do. And what Jesus is actually doing, he is, he's reigning over heaven and earth, but he is also every moment interceding for us. Maybe not shedding drops of blood or sweat like drops of blood, but even at this moment, Jesus is praying for you with this level of intensity. He is praying for all of us still and will until he returns, praying for, praying for the Spirit to come and strengthen us, praying for our needs in a way that even we don't fully know. As we see Jesus battling in prayer here, the the important thing is not so much, oh, we should pray too because we need spiritual power. The important thing is that Jesus prays for us now and here, just as he did then and there. And so we, when we pray, we are never praying on our own. We are always joining in the Heavenly Father, joining in the presence of the Heavenly Father with Jesus Christ who is interceding for us eternally and perpetually and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Whenever we pray, we are not on our own. We are joining with Jesus. And that that turns prayer from being something something that we use to get something, something that we use to get spiritual power to being to being something that we do to join in a deeper personal relationship and to be personally transformed. You know, that that friend of mine, his name was Jason, who made up that, I don't remember what he called it, something like super choco bomb explosion coffee grind, I don't remember what he called it. But there was a time a few months later that he came in, and we were probably about 17 at this point, and and he came into work one day, and he seemed a little down, and after a while he said, hey Matthew, my, uh, my dad kicked me out. He never wants to see me again. He said I can come back once tomorrow to clean out my room, and then we're done forever. We're finished. And there was a, a long history of that. His mom had passed away. His dad didn't cope well. Jason was a handful. But, but it, was, it was devastating. My dad is done with me forever. So I said, well, what, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I mean, I'll help you move out. I can come by. We can do your stuff. But what, what are you going to do? And Jason said, well, you know, Chris, another guy who worked with us, I told Chris a little bit ago, and he called up his parents, and they said they always wanted a third kid, so I'm moving in with them, and I'll have a place to live. 
oh, you're moving in with, did they know that, how much warning did they have? About 20 minutes. Okay, wonderful. So the next day we went and we cleaned out Jason's room and we talked through all his memories and all his stuff and we threw a bunch of stuff away. We left the room a little dirty on purpose, a little messy, and we moved him over to Chris's house. And Jason became part of Chris's family and he was the third brother. And, and up till today, he is still part of that family. Prayer is not really us coming and having a cup of coffee grounds and chocolate ice cream and getting a buzz. Prayer is us coming to God and saying, God, I got nowhere to live. I got nothing. I don't know what I'm going to do. And Jesus Christ saying to us, what you're going to do is you're going to move in with us. I got a place for you. Move in. You're my brother. You're my sister. I always wanted another one in the family. Come home. That is what prayer is. It is us going to the Father and saying, I got nothing. I got nothing. And Jesus saying, you got us. We're your family now. That is how prayer works for us. Now, I want to, we're going to move pretty quickly through this next bit. I want us to reflect a little bit as we wrap up on what prayer, where prayer brings us. And again, we'll go through this pretty quickly. First of all, lack of prayer means a lack of spiritual power. As we read through this text, we see Jesus and the disciples, as, as the prayer time wraps up, Judas shows up, and, and then this crowd shows up, and the disciples are like, what's going on? What should we do? We should cut that guy's ear off. What? And that's Jesus' response. Enough! And the, the original language there actually is really hard to translate. It doesn't make any grammatical sense, but, but it's sort of that, enough! Guys, what are you doing? The disciples' lack of prayer has led them to respond in completely the wrong way. See, what they are doing is they are reacting with violence and out of their own power. And, and on so many levels, that's the wrong thing to do. It's the wrong thing to do because this poor guy who gets his ear cut off is just obeying orders. It's the wrong thing to do because even though these are authorities acting wrongly, these are still legitimate spiritual authorities. They've been sent by people who have this kind of authority in some sense. So, so you can't strike out against them. And the disciples even are acting against Jesus' own plans for salvation. It is necessary that he would suffer and die. And so the disciples are just totally out of tune on so many levels. And if we are not in prayer, if we are not connected to the Lord, then, then so often we are drawing from the wrong well with the wrong goals, doing the wrong thing. We might have some power, we might do something, but, but it's not going to be productive. Lack of prayer, lack of connection to the Lord leads us into doing some things that might seem like a good idea at the time, but that often are out of tune with how God intends to work. But then prayer brings power, and I'm going to hit four points here and just hit them really quickly. The point is not that you really dive deep into one, but that you get a picture of prayer. Prayer works in all kinds of ways in our lives. So prayer brings power for healing. Jesus sees his disciples whack this guy's ear off, and he says, stop it! And then he heals the guy. And in so many ways, prayer brings us into a place where God's power works to bring healing and, and even healing from the dumb stuff that we get up to. Prayer brings us to a place where often the Lord can correct even our mistakes. Brings us to a place where we can see the damage in the world around us, the damage in our own lives, the damage that we have caused, and where we can see the Lord fix it. And prayer brings power for healing and for truth. 
Jesus here, even as he is facing arrest, he's able to look at this mob and say to them, well, say to them that they are wrong, that they are the forces of darkness and that that they will not necessarily win. And often people like to talk about speaking truth to power, but, but they usually only do it when it's safe. And what Jesus does here is he is speaking truth to the powers that be that will get him killed, but still strengthened by prayer and the power of the Spirit. He speaks the truth even in a circumstance where it will cost him. Prayer brings power for healing, for truth, and for sacrifice. Jesus, praying to the Father, empowered by an angelic messenger, he is able to lay down his life for us. Now, this is not a popular message, and honestly, if I was making up a religion, I would not include this part, I don't think. But just like Jesus sacrificed himself for us, we are called to sacrifice ourselves for the Lord's cause and for others. And we can't do that. We do not have the emotional or spiritual reserves to truly lay down our lives for other people. We need that relationship with the Lord to help us truly sacrifice for him. We need Christ's power to live the lives he calls us to. So prayer brings power for healing, for truth, for sacrifice, and for victory. And the victory of God's Son lasts for all eternity. Here we read about a dark hour where Jesus is is wrapping all our sins up and putting them on his back to carry them for us, and, and where the forces of the world are coming to take him away to execution. But it's just... It's just an hour. It's just a few days. And then Christ rises again, and he rises with power over death, and and he comes to us and brings us that life. And as we pray, as we move into the Father's house, as we are more and more connected to the Lord, we more and more live into that victory. So I invite you today to to lean into the power of prayer, not as just a spiritual pick-me-up, but to lean into the power of prayer for healing in the broken places in your life. To lean into the power of prayer for the places where though it is difficult, you need to experience and speak truth. To lean into the power of prayer so that you can lay aside some of your comfort for the cause of God's kingdom. To lean into the power of prayer to be assured, to be assured that Christ does win the victory. Prayer has power because it connects us to the person of Jesus Christ. So today, Jesus comes to all of us and he says, I've got a place for you. I've got a place for you. We've got room for one more in this family. You belong. Move closer in. Let's all, let's all move closer to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, so often we are like the disciples. So often we are worse than the disciples. Lord, we ask that you wake us out of our spiritual slumbers. And Lord, help us to to see prayer not not as something that we do to get what we want, but to see prayer as a vibrant connection to you. Lord, help us to live more and more into our identity as your children, as people who you love and who you save. And Lord, enable us to walk in the way of Jesus, to, to have your power to serve you, to work for you, and to live with you forever. We pray all this in your name. Amen.